You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Brady Quinn, co-host of Two Pros and a Cup of Joe, alongside LeVar Arrington and Jonas Knox. And you can uh, catch him weekdays 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, the show that precedes ours. Also, the big noon kickoff on Fox in Texas. It'll be Oklahoma at number 13, Baylor. Brady, thanks for joining us. Let me start with um, what you saw last night. Did the Dolphins provide a blueprint? We love to do this. A blueprint uh, print on how to shut down Lamar Jackson. Um, I'm not willing to go that far. Um, I, I think what we, what we witnessed, though, and I think one of the things that we've noticed if you've paid attention to the Baltimore Ravens in the second half of the seasons with Lamar Jackson and Greg Roman calling plays is – I don't know if it's a matter of teams figuring them out, but it always seems like that offense hits a wall in the second half of the season. They usually get off to some pretty fast starts, and then they start to kind of fizzle out. And I don't know if that's like a Greg Roman thing when you comb back through the years and feel like from some of the different teams he's been to, like they haven't had a second act or they haven't been able to adjust. But clearly last night was one of those examples of uh, Miami felt really comfortable playing a variation of coverages, kind of some off-man coverage, mixing in some zone, but putting pressure on Lamar. And the Ravens offense, Lamar did not handle it well. And, and it also seems like when he gets in situations where he starts to press, where, I mean, he's literally feeling the pressure. But I just think also because of that point in the game where they needed to come back, they had to do something. I feel like he almost puts himself in some compromising situations, forces throws, makes some bad decisions. I think we've seen that from him from time to time. Um, but so I don't know if it's a blueprint necessarily more so is it's just kind of been what we've seen from the Ravens offensively speaking, at least, uh, since Lamar Jackson has been quarterback in the second half of the season that we're starting to venture into that territory. And I'm also wondering about the decision. Jacoby Brissett gets banged up, goes out Tua is the emergency, uh, backup, but then he goes in, he's healthy enough to play, but he wasn't healthy enough to start. I, I'm confused with uh, that whole situation, Brady. Uh, join the club. Yeah, I've been confused now for two years with, with Brian Flores and the decisions with two in particular. I mean, last year when he'd yank him out at the end of the game or at, at a, you know after a bad first half, I mean, this is a guy you drafted in the top 10, the first round pick. You've got to see what he can do to finish games or end games. I would say this last year about him, and yet they just put Ryan Fitzpatrick in and let him be the closer. And I understand that Brian Flores wants to win games and he wants to do what's best for his team to win games, but then shouldn't Fitzpatrick been starting the whole time? Like it, it just never really made any sense to me with when they chose to make the switch to Tua last year when Fitz and the team was playing well. And then the times they would take Tua out of the game. It's like, well, you already made that decision to put him in. Like, don't you want to see what you have in him? Don't you want to let this pay dividends in the future where either he brings your team back or he doesn't, but he at least learns from it. And then and this year, like, I mean, it was, it was that case of what last week he was dressed for. And I'm, I'm going, wait a second. Like he's healthy enough to go in an emergency situation, but not to start. And then he goes in and he, and he plays better than Jacoby did once he got into the game. So it's, I honestly feel like it's this. If the Dolphins end up moving on from Brian Flores at some point in the future, whether this season goes into a tailspin or they don't end up achieving what they you know, hope to in the future, this will be, to me at least, at the top of my list for reasons as to why. Because I think he's botched this entire situation with even seeing what they have 
and Tua as a quarterback. And you already know, everybody knows, Tua knows, everybody in the building knows that they flirted with Deshaun Watson and what they were willing to give up for Deshaun Watson and almost made that trade. Like, I don't know what that would be like. If you knew your, your wife was negotiating with somebody else, that maybe she would leave you for that person, but then it fell through, like, how would you feel showing up every day going, hi, honey, how are you? I mean, <laughs> right? No, it wasn't flirting. They went speed dating. Like they, they, they essentially went speed dating. They swiped, right? it's like your they wife, swiped right. Yeah, they swiped. Like it's like your wife going out to one of those speed dating things that we used to have pre-COVID. And you're like, oh, hey, babe, how was your night? What'd you do? Oh, I don't know. I met 10 eligible bachelors who I was like potentially talking to. I uh, found one that I really liked, but we didn't really have much time. You know, you only get five minutes per conversation, then you got to rotate. It was like, yeah, it was one of those bizarre things when you, you just made this decision to draft him. And, and I always just say this, like, I think the league always lacks patience. Fan bases even yeah, have even less. But with quarterbacks, understanding that, like, it's the one position that you need time, you need experience uh, to develop. And, and I don't know that Tua's had that time uh, and the opportunity to truly develop. And I don't know that the organization can have a true picture of what he is or what he isn't. You know, if they wanted a guy who was more, more of a, a product that was ready to go right away, they should have just tried to go find a, a veteran quarterback they could go get or trade for with that pick in the draft instead of drafting a guy that's a rookie. Like all these quarterbacks come out of the draft need work. They need some seasoning. So I, I never really understand that when they just want to move on from that decision right away. Um, look, Deshaun Watson is an extreme talent. Any team that has interest in him as a football player obviously has to do their due diligence if he's on the market. But there's still a lot to be figured out off the field. Yeah. And, and, and also, by the way, I don't think this is done. Like, I, I think in the offseason, whatever was on the table will probably still be on the table. It just depends on the, the legal situation that he's in. If I told you back in August, these are some of the headlines that would emerge in the NFL. Cam Newton would be back with the Panthers. Odell Beckham would be a Ram. Jets fans would be excited about a young quarterback named Mike White. John Gruden would no longer be coaching the Raiders. Jordan Love would start a game, but it wouldn't be due to an Aaron Rodgers injury, and the Chiefs would be in last place in the AFC West. Where would you start where you go, I, I wouldn't believe that headline? The Chiefs would be last in the AFC West. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Wow. Everything you threw at me. I mean, well, I mean, let's look at the – I mean, obviously the situation – with John Gruden, the Raiders is, is terrible. It's despicable. Um, but I, I do feel like there was a sense for the direction that team was going from a win losses perspective, that at some point, someone's got to kind of, you know, hold them accountable. Um, clearly that's not why he's not there anymore, but you know, and even with Odell Beckham, there's kind of always been that, like, is he happy in Cleveland potential trade rumors uh, or how this is going to work out? The fact that he got released and cut, uh, is a different way of getting to that, um, you know, Cam and his, and his journey back to Carolina. First off, I'm happy for him. I'm glad he got paid, got the contract he got paid. I mean, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I feel like but, there's a lot of But who were former... they negotiating against, Brady? Well, no, that, that's, a, that's a good question. I don't know if it was anyone. <laughs> but, but look, but, but that's, that's the situation that they were in. It's like they don't have to negotiate anyone, but they're negotiating with essentially P.J. Walker for that period of time right now where they're still not technically out of the playoff on the NFC, like outside of like about five or six teams in the NFC, like that last wild card spot, yeah. the last two, it's kind of wide open. So they might feel like, Hey, defensively, we've got a good team. We could still stay in this thing. We just need a quarterback to guide the ship there. 
and and Cam's our best option. And so it's yeah, they didn't they weren't negotiating versus anyone else, but they were negotiating versus staring down the rest of the season of not being potentially in the playoff hunt. I mean, that's what they're negotiating against. Okay, so you get rid of Cam, then you bring in his replacement, and then you pay Teddy Bridgewater $35 million. Then you get rid of him, then you trade for Sam Darnold. You bring him in, you guarantee next year's contract of $19 million. You pass on Justin Fields. So now you're bringing in Cam. You brought in Cam's replacement, then the replacement to cam's replacement to now another replacement for cam's replacement now you bring in cam to replace cam god i want to be cam's replacement so bad because they all get paid right <laughs> like i guess that the moral of the story right now i mean think about how much david tepper uh and, and right now is paying out in carolina because teddy bridgewell's not even there he's still getting paid you know you bring in sam darnold and pj walker and it, it just all comes full circle are you the um, same it, age as matt barkley because they brought in matt barkley to uh to play he's he's younger than i okay. yeah he, he, he's younger than i okay. am so trust I, I wish but maybe i should just give him a call and be like hey services are still out there if you want to shell out a little extra money too while you're paying everyone Wait, right when, now, I'd, last, I'd love to sign up for that when's the last time somebody reached out to you about playing uh it would have been back when i was i think in 2014 oh, it would have okay. been back when i was uh, yeah i mean at that point i was transitioning to broadcasting but there was still kind of some interest and uh, honestly I, I think once i was presented with the opportunity I was at Fox. And then when, I, when you'd kind of talk to some of the teams and, and their interest was, they were interested, but nothing where it was anything significant. And I didn't want to just go into a training camp, be a camp arm. Uh, I felt like what Fox was offer, you know, offering me at that time to do was intriguing. It was a great opportunity, something that like, I, I didn't necessarily realize how special it was at the, at the time or what it would build into. Um, but clearly, you know, it was something that I respected enough to say, I'm going to jump into this next career and take this opportunity. Who's the best quarterback on the uh, Fox set? I mean, I would say me. I mean, look, I, I got that. Like, I think every quarterback has that Mike White to them, where Mike White's come out to the public. Like, I felt like I should have been the first quarterback, first player taking the draft. Like, every quarterback feels that way about their play and about themselves. Otherwise, they wouldn't have played at the NFL level yeah. or wouldn't have the ability to. Like, even if you – like, I, I think sometimes what impresses me the most – is the guys who are so overly confident and they think they can make every throw and they think they can make every play. But like, objectively speaking, you're like you're looking at them going that he definitely can't do that. But like, those are the guys that tend to succeed at moments because they believe in their abilities, even when everyone else doesn't. Um, and, and that's, that's why like, you know, whether it's me or anyone else, Mike white in this case, that's why they're such good stories is because the journey to get there is a lonely journey. And he's probably the only one, even his parents, have probably at some point in time not believed that he was going to be able to do in his one start and change what he's done so far. He's Brady Quinn, Fox Sports College and NFL studio and game analyst. Um, how does this not work out with Odell and the Rams? It's a tough question to answer because I, I think it's going to work out. I mean, everything, the stars have a line for it to work out. He's with a great play caller. He's with a quarterback who you know they're going to distribute the football and get him the football. You know, you could complain about, well, what happens if he doesn't get enough targets or touches? And, and he might not in comparison to Cooper Cup, for example. I think he'll be competitive as far as targets with Robert Woods. Um, but Odell strikes me as the type of person. I think we all have these people like that we work with or in our lives. When they come into work, like whatever's going on in their personal life, some people can compartmentalize and not bring that to work. Other people can't. 
like Odell strikes me as the type of person that has a hard time. If he's not happy outside of football, being able to come in and, and be in that work environment and be the type of guy that's enjoyable to be around. And I also don't think he's going to excel if that's the case. Look, he's got a house in LA. He's got interest outside of football. I just think the way Sean McVay handles that team uh, and how he'll fit into that team is a perfect scenario for him. So I don't think it goes bad. Like I, I think he found himself into the perfect situation for him to resurrect things in his career. How does Matthew Stafford approach this relationship? Uh, it, it's one in which I think, look, you, you get him on board, you're happy to have him. But I, I think he knows, and it, obviously he came to the Cleveland Browns, the situation where they were in the playoff hunt. Uh, obviously, the Rams are squarely in the playoff hunt, divisional hunt. So, you know, you're just trying to get them up to speed. Like, if, if anything, if they don't have a prior relationship, you're just trying to get to know the person. You know, what motivates him? What makes him tick? What he likes, what he doesn't like? How he sees the game? You know, all those things, because you've got to get up to speed and build that chemistry in a short amount of time. But you know he's going to want his touches, Brady, because that's that's how you get the next contract. He doesn't get a contract by being just a good team player. He gets a contract by let me show the world what I can still do. And if you it, get a contract too, you get a contract too when you win. You know, if this if this carries on to winning a Super Bowl, every everyone looks better when you win a Super Bowl. Whether you're as good as you think or not, you're a world champ. Yeah. So as much as he wants his touches and targets, which he was still the most targeted player for the Browns, like we tend to forget that. He was still the most targeted player. It just didn't quite work out. So he'll get his targets. He'll get his touches. But I think if you're preaching him on success and then being able to go and win a Super Bowl, and, and back to my initial point, like in order to get him those touches, you still have to know the person and player. And so you still have to understand like, his nonverbal communication, how he moves, how he, how he gets open, how he sees his own coverages, what he likes, what he doesn't like. Like, you still have to get all that down in order to get him those touches. So it, it's, it's honestly a lot of trying to hang around each other as much as you possibly can if you're Matt Stafford or Odell Beckham. Like, you're trying to become best friends or speed dating, if you will, using that analogy again, like as fast as humanly possible. Fox Big Noon kickoff in Waco, Texas. It's number 13 Baylor, number 8 Oklahoma. How big is this game for Oklahoma? It's huge because this is now their case for building a resume to get within the top four. You know, they're that, you know, undefeated team that's kind of probably, they probably feel disrespected. And, and yet, since Caleb Williams has taken over as their quarterback, the freshman quarterback, this offense has been unstoppable. Now, defensively, they've suffered some injuries and they've struggled at times, but this is the case now for Oklahoma to make that run. They've got to beat Baylor. They'll eventually have to beat Oklahoma State and then win, uh, presumably versus probably Oklahoma State again in the Big 12 championship game to get that resume where they needed to, to be undefeated and be a part of the, the conversation to play for a national championship. Safe travels. Always great to talk to you. Thank you. Have a great weekend, Brady. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. Swing in Charles Barkley, Hall of Famer inside the NBA on TNT Analyst. How much are you uh, following what's going on in the NFL? Cam going back to the Panthers, OBJ going to the Rams. 
Come on, Dan. You know football. I bet on football every Saturday and Sunday. I got to keep up with what's happening all week. <laughs> How are you doing gambling this year? Uh, I've been doing pretty good in college. Pros has been up and down all over the place. But, hey, we got a long way to go, Dan. I'm not going to run out of money no time soon. <laughs> uh, how big is your bookie's house? Uh, we've never met. Oh, you haven't? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> you just – hey, hey, to cover my ass, I have a go-between. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just in case they get him. Uh, I don't know how big his house <laughs> is, but – all right, listen, hey, I told you, that's the same thing. I don't say, I've never done an email. I've never done any social media. I told you, Dan, all these people are going to learn. If you're going to talk bad about people, do it the old-fashioned way behind their back. <laughs> uh, like Markeith Morris, didn't he? He sort of did it behind the Joker's back. Yeah, Dan, uh, I was disappointed in the NBA on that. You know, I'm a big fan of the Morris brothers, but that was a cheap shot. I'm glad Joker defended himself. You just can't hit somebody. First of all, if you hit somebody, you should never turn your back on them. I know. That's why like, people say, you hit him in the back. I'm like, wait, you hit me and you turn your back. Hey, <laughs> hey, I can be sure of one thing. If you hit me and you turn your back, I'm going to hit you in the back of the head. Okay. You guys just – you and Shaq came up on the anniversary of you taking the ball and bouncing off Shaq's head. And then you guys had your wrestling match. Did you guys celebrate that anniversary? No, I actually didn't know it was our anniversary. Yeah, because you know, we moved. We yeah, we moved to Tuesday nights now. So I don't. I, I didn't. Uh, so I'm I'm adjusting to the Tuesday <laughs> schedule. But hey, Dan, that's just a perfect example. Like, I'm not going to fight Jack. He's too big. But if somebody hit me in front of twenty thousand people, I'm gonna act like I'm gonna fight. Like he might hit me one or two times, or I might hit him, hit him one or two times, but it's not like we're going to fight for five minutes straight. They're going to break it up quickly. But I'm not going to let anybody hit me in front of 20,000 people and not do anything. Shaq had a left that if it connected, you might still be down, Charles. Dan, you act like I can't take a punch. I've been hit before. But, but not by Shaq. Come on, man. Stop it. All right. Give, I, me, give me somebody that hits you that... Like, I'd be like, wow, and you. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to get on here and talk a lot of noise, but I think it's probably hard to knock somebody out with one punch. I mean, you can get hit with a flurry of punches and get knocked out, but I think there's very few people who can hit a person with one shot, even great boxers. I mean, I, you know, boxing is one of my favorite sports, but, you know, Ali, Frazier, Foreman, Norton, Shavers, Holmes, Pacquiao, Floyd. I mean, I don't remember. I mean, George Foreman, even when he beat Frazier, he hit him like a thousand times, but Joe Frazier kept getting up. And George arguably one of the greatest hitters of all punches of all time. You don't think Shaq would have knocked you out with that left? I do not. Okay. That don't mean he couldn't have hurt me a little bit, but I don't <laughs> think he could knock me out. <laughs> Uh, I see you're flying the colors for Auburn there. So how excited are you that Cam Newton is uh, going back to Carolina? Well, I'm glad Cam got a job. You know, he wanted to play. I saw him uh, a couple weeks ago at the Auburn-Georgia game. And uh, I, I, he, we, he, I got a lot of love for Cam. I mean, it's going to be interesting, though. I don't know 
it's how successful joining a, a NFL team in the middle of the season. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be a very difficult thing. Uh, but I'm glad he got a job because I pull up a cam. He's a good man. What are those shoes behind you underneath the your dream team jersey? Or um, So this flag is probably one of my most valuable possessions. I stole this from the Olympics in 92. And it's got everybody who was on the original dream team on it. That's the first dream team. I got everybody to sign this flag. That's probably when I sell my memorabilia for underprivileged housing, it's probably going to be to get the most money. Yeah. But uh, uh, I'm in my gym trophy room, bar pool table room. And I got a jersey from everybody on the second dream team uh, signed and a pair of shoes under the jersey. And uh, that's uh, Penny Hardaway's right there. I got uh, Carl Malone, uh, Scotty Pippen, John Stockton, Elijah Wan, Peyton, mine, Mitch Richmond, Grant Hill, Reggie Miller. Got a bunch of great stuff over my career. But I'm going to sell all this crap for underprivileged houses in my hometown as we get through the pandemic. Help me understand what's going through Scotty Pippen's mind right now. Ooh, you need Dr. Phil. <laughs> you need everybody. You know, I, I feel bad because it seems like he's just trying to go big game hunting because he's selling a book. Uh, I'm never going to tell another person what to say. We got to all have our own opinion. But this seems like he's got a book coming out because the book, when, when you write a book, in my opinion, it should be your personal thoughts about everything about you, you letting the world know what you think. Uh, but it just seems like to me, when you go after Phil Jackson, Michael Jordan, uh, he came out to me a little bit, you're just going big game hunting because you know it's going to get some clicks. And uh, I've always liked Scotty. I thought he was a very good player. But like I say, it just seems like I've just got to go big game hunting because if I talk bad about big time people, it's going to I get clicks and I'm going to sell some books. I feel bad for him because it felt like nobody really asked him his opinion when he played. I remember being around the Bulls, the NBA Finals, and it felt like it was Mike, it was Phil, it was Rodman, it was it was everybody but Scotty, and here's Scotty, one of the great players of all time. And I think he just wants to kind of set the record straight. I think he really got hurt with the last dance. He probably tuned in with his family saying, Hey, Mike's going to be saying some nice things about me. And then next thing you know, Mike's roasting Scotty there. Um, well, Dan, even myself, when people talk about me, they get to bring up stupid stuff I did. So, you know, whatever happens, happens. You don't get to get mad about it. The stuff that Michael said in the last dance was true. Uh, like, Every time they bring up stupid stuff I did, I can't get mad. I did have done some stupid things in my lifetime. Uh, but I don't think it was Michael's intention to roast Scotty. Well, like I say, I just think that it seems like, if, if first of all, if you want to say these things, just say them. Don't put them in a book. That's the only problem I've had with a lot of these things. I, I, if, if he wants to come on Dan Patrick show and say some things, I got no problem with that if he wants to say his opinion. But when you bring all this stuff up and you just happen to have a book coming out, that's what I think is the problem everybody's having now.
but he's taking on Mike right now. And as you that's know, big, listen, uh, listen, that's his biggest game hunt as you can get. I know, but you never get that trophy. You, you, you can't, Mike doesn't let you put, you know, his head on your, uh, your, your wall. That, that doesn't happen. I, I know, but like I say, Scott is just trying to sell books. Yeah. I don't think he's worried about relationships down the line, uh, friendship down the line. I think he's just trying to sell books. We're talking to Charles Barkley, of course, Hall of Famer, NBA on TNT. I mentioned this stat. 57 different players have scored at least 30 points in a game so far this season. What do you make of that? It's not fun for me to watch the game, to be honest with you, because it's just a three-point shooting contest. And there's times I'm watching the game, I'm like, you got a wide open lane advantage (laughs) because they're playing the three, take the ball to the basket. And my biggest problem is we got guys shooting threes now who can't shoot. And like I say, I'm not the old get off my lawn guy. Listen, I, I tell you, listen, I, I, I love basketball. Basketball is giving me everything in my life. But now it's like after a game where we didn't make enough threes. I'm like, well, if you wasn't making threes, you, you could have took the ball to the basket. <laughs> so it's very interesting to watch. Uh, but, man, uh, it's, it's, it's just a three-point shooting contest now. Trying to figure out, and I want to be fair to the Lakers and wait till after Christmas before I have a, a good sense of what this team is going to play like. But it feels like, he, you know, Russ is trying, he's trying too hard, it feels like. What do you make of the Lakers so far, first month of the season? Well, I think it's interesting. Uh, <laughs> they blame everything on Russ. You know, they've blown, they blown two, they lost, they, they uh, lost to Oklahoma City twice. They had a 25-point lead in both games. And I'm watching all these foods, idiots, and jackasses on TV the next day blame Russ. I'm like, yeah, they had a 25-point lead. Russ didn't do it all by itself. Now, Russ does have to take better care of the ball. But as I said from the beginning, with all those old geezers out there, LeBron's starting to break down. You know, those little injuries, they didn't happen five, six years ago. That means he's getting older. His body's starting to break down. But – it's still going to come down to Anthony Davis. I said day one, if Anthony Davis is one of the five best players in the NBA, the Lakers are going to be tough to beat. If he's not one of the five best players, they're not going to be competitive because he's the only one that you can't match up with at this stage of his career. You know, to me, he should be doing what Magic Johnson did. You know, you look at you go back and look at the great Laker teams. Kareem was the man forever, like LeBron. And when LeBron started getting older, Kareem started getting older, then it became Magic's team. It should start to be Anthony Davis' team at this point of his career. Anthony, why isn't Anthony Davis more like the Greek freak? He just don't have that that killer thing. Yeah, he's uh, like that kid. Listen, let me tell you something. Giannis and Russell Westbrook. I'll pay to watch those guys. Play because as a fan, they give you maximum effort every single night. Whether you like Russ or not, you got to admire his ability. Like, I'm gonna give you everything I've got. I might make some mistakes, I might miss some shots, but yo, man, you give me maximum effort every night. That's all I can ask for as a fan. But Anthony, to me, he like 
and this is it. When we're talking about always comparing guys, I says, as much as I love LeBron, I love LeBron. He's amazing. But to me, he don't, he didn't have, listen, Michael and Kobe, they'll kill you. <laughs> Those two guys, like, and it's just a mindset. And Giannis, he, he is out there, like, he's more close to Michael and Kobe, and Anthony is more closer to LeBron. LeBron's a great, great player, and he's a really, really nice guy. I don't think anybody ever said Michael and Kobe were nice guys because they don't <laughs> care about that. Hey, listen, and that's not a knock. Everybody don't have that killer, 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 killer instinct. Like Kobe and Michael, like I say, I've been in the NBA for 37 years, and I've seen a lot of great players. David Robinson was a great player. He's a nice man. Uh, Patrick Ewing is, was a great, great player. He's a nice man. Carl Malone's a nice man. John Stock's a nice man. Michael and Kobe, listen, I don't think anybody ever said, oh, man, they are nice guys. They out there to kill you. Was Bird a nice guy? No. Uh, he is a, like, uh, but he didn't have that physical ability. Like, Larry beat you with his will and his mind. But he didn't have the athletic ability that Kobe and Michael and LeBron and those guys had. Yeah. Larry willed himself and his team to win. Uh, that's a great question, too. Same thing with Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson was a great, great player, but he couldn't physically impose his will upon you like Kobe and Michael could. Are you all in on my Warriors bandwagon? I think it's too early. I'm not, you know, Dan, I don't want to be, you know, one thing I hate about these morning shows, not your show, these <laughs> other idiots and food. No, like they want to know um, well, who's the best team after 10 games. I'm like, they play 82 games. That's like you said, like I'm watching these shows. They're like, well, who's the NFL MVP? I'm like, dude, they play like six games. Nobody cares. Let it get, it'll, it'll come out. In Why the do you keep watching these shows you hate? Because I'm number one, I need to know. Well, number one, you got to get up in the morning, Dan. And secondly, it's fun to work out uh, and watch something. I mean, there's nothing else on from six in the morning <laughs> until noon. Okay, and what, what drives you crazy, I, though, when you watch these shows that makes you yell at the TV? Well, you know, I hate Skip Bayless, I hate him more than anything in the world. But you watch. Uh, I watch Shannon because, listen, in fairness, I need to know what, because, Dan, I'm coming on your show. I need to, like, no, seriously. And you know, I love, you, you're one of my favorite people. I mean, I mean, you're a coward on the golf course. And, Dan, let me tell you something. You ain't got no chance to ever beat me again. I'll come to your house. I'll come wherever you're at. You ain't never going to beat me in golf again. And I say it never, ever. You know, if we had played for money all these years, you wouldn't have any money. No. So I, I was, it, I gave you chair. You were a charity case. Hey, hey, come on, Dan. I have been through. Uh, when I was a really good player, I was the worst player in the world. But I'm back now, brother. I'm back now uh, with a vengeance. Uh, okay, but I don't like this front runner attitude here because. You know, that's... No, 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 no. No, you, I'm not going to let you get away with that. Hey, when I was crappy on the golf course, y'all trashed me for 30 years. Yes, you did, I Dan. tried to help you. No, no, no. Hey, listen. 
I told I you not to stick. play. I told hey. you not to play. I tried to help you. What else are old fat people going to do? <laughs> what else are old fat people going to do? Okay, than, what, what, I, what does Shaq do? Make commercials? <laughs> he makes money. <laughs> he makes money. Man, hey, listen, I'm an old fat dude. I just want to play golf and fish every day. I love relaxing, doing nothing, but I got my superpowers back. I'll play anybody, anytime, anywhere. What's your, okay, what's your handicap here, uh, Tiger? I'm a, I'm, I'm a 10. I'm back to a 10 now. Mm, I'd like to see the index card. I'd like to see your card there. I'm back to a 10, Dan. Yeah, I don't I'm trust you. I'm just telling you. I don't trust you. I don't trust Dan, you. Dan, what, what are you going to do to show from my house? We've been saying that for 30 years. But aren't you in Philadelphia? No, I'm in Arizona. Oh, okay. Dan, I don't do cold weather, brother. <laughs> um, I still... Hey, and, I, and I, I've never let cameras in my house. That's my private sanctuary. But when they had the Super Bowl out here a few years ago, we talked about mm-hmm. doing it in my backyard. I know. Yeah, we can do... I'll tell you what. We'll set it up on my tennis court. I bring all the refreshments. We'll get drunk as hell <laughs> and do great TV. <laughs> What do you have? Three bedroom, two bath? Is that what you got there? Five bedrooms, five baths, guest house, tennis court, driving range, swimming pool. Dan, I got a lot of money. I ain't gonna <laughs> just drive. I, I need to spend it. Hey, I don't want to Super Bowl. Free- Super Bowl's in Arizona next year. Come on, we can do one of the shows. Dan, I'm not leaving all this money for my freeloading ass family. Listen, if I could go to Vegas one last trip before I kill over, lose some money, then burn the rest, I'd be the happiest person in the world. Can I be a pallbearer? Oh, I'm not. I'll do, I don't do funerals. Hey, I told him to burn my fat ass up and put me in Leeds, <laughs> Alabama, in the lake. <laughs> Dan, I'm seriously, I'm going to get cremated. Funerals suck. I'm gonna get cremated and I want my ashes spread over Leeds, Alabama. I don't I know. No, I don't want to hear no crying. I don't want anybody I, first of all, I don't want people up there telling stories. I know I don't want that. I just say, like, listen, I've had a great run. Just play get my burn my fat ass up. But that that's listen, all I've always wanted to be skinny. Put my <laughs> put me in the Hey, hey, hey. Seriously, put my ashes in uh there's a lake in my hometown called Lake Purdy. I want my ashes spread in Lake Purdy, and everybody have, go out and have a celebration. But you don't want to have a wake. We're not allowed to, like. Hell no. Oh, come on. There be. Well, Dan, nobody want to sit around and look at somebody who's dead. I, listen, I'm not trying to be morbid or ever. I don't believe in that crap. And don't put me in the ground somewhere. I'm not going to go visit people. I never get that. They're not in the ground, folks. Don't go visit cemeteries. I think that's crazy. What if we stuff you? Could we do something like that? No, no, no. No, dude, just bang. <laughs> hey, throw me in that oven. Put it on there and just spread the ashes, man. Put me down. I, hey, Dan, I'm good with that. Great to talk to you. Always, man. Hey, you guys have a, have a great weekend. Uh, thanks for having me, Dan. All right, buddy. Great to talk to you again. That's Charles Barkey, Hall of Famer, inside the NBA on TNT. We're going to Charles' house next year at the Super Bowl. Super Bowl's in Arizona next year. Then we'll do at least one show, two shows there. Oh. What do you think? Do you think Charles would let us do a full week? Oh, I don't think he cares.
it sounds like the you know the crib's big enough that we could be there and he wouldn't even know we were there. But he did say that he would bring over his friends to uh, to the set, bring it over to his house. Yeah, Paul. I got some pictures of Charles' house. He has a property, not a yard. Yeah. I guess that's a word. No, I it's use. a compound. Compound, yeah. Compound. Compound. I, I've known him such a long time, and he hadn't changed. He is he is one of the most generous people. He's not he's not on a Zoom call anymore, so I can say this, but he he's one of the most generous people I've ever met. If if you go out to dinner, there's no way that you'll end up picking up the check. No way. Somehow, some way, he said to the maitre d or the waiter before you got there, "I got this. Don't don't accept somebody else's credit card." He's he's a very very generous person. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, nine until noon Eastern, six to nine Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio, and you can find us on the iHeart Radio app at FSR, or stream us live on the Peacock app. I'm George Reister, host of the Reister or Wrong podcast. This is the intersection where sports, business, society, and pop culture meet the truth. Absolute fire on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Facts only. Make sure you check your feelings at the door because no BS is allowed. We keep it 100. This is where real conversations happen. Listen to the Right or Wrong podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. But let's bring in uh, Joe Person, who broke the story yesterday that uh, Cam was going to come back. Uh, Joe covers the Panthers for the Athletic, joins us on the program. How much of a surprise was this, Joe? Yeah, Dan, it, it was pretty surprising just because, you know, Matt Rule got here in January of 2020. He and Dave Tepper, and at the time, Marty Herney was the GM, they made the decision that they were going to move on from Cam Newton. They, there were concerns mostly about his throwing shoulder. He'd had the two shoulder surgeries. Uh, he did not look, as you mentioned, like the 2015 Cam. And, 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 and the other piece of this, too, is here was Matt Rule coming in. They were going to turn over the whole roster, go young, uh, they drafted seven defensive players. And I think, and Cam has said this publicly, he felt like Rule was a little intimidated by his sort of big persona, which we've all seen. And I just don't think it was a good fit at that time. Will it be a good fit now? I don't know. But but they had to do something. Like Even before Darnold's injury, it, they were getting really – I mean, bottom-of-the-league type quarterback play. And this is a team that still is holding out hope for a playoff berth. I'm just trying to figure out. I mean, they botched this, if you look back on this, Joe. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater, who I do like, then, you know, you pay him whatever, $35 million. You trade for Darnold. You guarantee the, you know, the contract for next year. You pass on Justin Fields. And then who comes to the rescue but the artist formerly known as Superman here. Um how good is the team anyway, offensively? If I'm plugging in Cam Newton now, given pros and cons, uh, how good is the offense? Well, they just got Christian McCaffrey back last week, as you know. That helps. That helps a lot. Uh, they have some wide receivers that are pretty good in DJ Moore. Robbie Anderson has struggled with Sam Darnold. I think Sam Darnold 
I, I think it was losing confidence in Anderson, but also sometimes just not seeing him and not seeing the field and the open receivers. So the problem that Cam Newton is going to find is the same one that, that Darnold faced as well. The offensive line is not good. And they're down to they're down to two week one starters left healthy. They're having to kind of move guys around up front. Darnold and and but here's the thing. Cam Newton, he's seen that before. I mean, he he is a professional. And not that he wants to stand in there and take it, but he's not going to get happy feet, which is what we've seen from Sam Darnold for about the past month here in Charlotte. Okay, but you've guaranteed Sam Darnold's contract for next year. I think it's, what, $19 million? What yeah. is, this, is this a victory lap for Cam as a way of saying, hey, we did you wrong and come on back and let's see if we have any magic here? Is there, is there any let's open up the scrapbook and bring Cam back? sentimental journey here or is this just strictly football i think if you talk to matt rule and general manager scott fitter it's a football decision i think ownership david tepper has seen the fan base i mean last week dan there were a ton of patriots fans in bank of america stadium they've had other games where the eagles filled up you know season ticket holders are selling their seats uh, apathy sets in. That's like the worst kind of deal for an NFL owner. Um, Cam will change that immediately. I mean, that they're, next week, the first home game is against Ron Rivera in Washington. Uh, <laughs> the guy who brought Cam in number one in 2011. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, ownership, David Tepper realizes he needed some juice P.J. Walker, great guy, great athlete. That one going to cut it. I mean, there were going to be a lot of empty seats here over the last two months of the season. Great to talk to you, Joe. Congratulations on breaking the story. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Dan.